want to talk about the uh, subject, which is a theological subject. You can also uh, find this subject under what they call Baptist distinctives. Baptist distinctives. It is the priesthood of the believer. You may, and you older Christians, of course, have heard this mentioned for numbers of times as you've grown up in Christ and as you've attended services. Preachers have preached on the topic of the priesthood of the believer. It's a major teaching of Scripture. And tonight, I'm, this is the first time I've actually ever done a study on this particular thing. And so, may the Lord use it tonight to help us all. I, I really enjoyed doing it. I was blessed and encouraged, and I had a spell, really, towards the end of it. I, I just, you know, one of the hardest things for me to comprehend is that I, God loves me. It's been one of the harder things for me to understand. I, I say it. I know it. I know it in my head. I really know it in my heart, but just it just as overwhelms me to know that God, that God loves me, and He really cares for me. My every move and knows the hairs on my head and is watching out for me, and the decisions I'm making is guiding and directing, and is going to bring me all the way home. That's a beautiful thought, Amen. Where did the concept of the priesthood come from? Well, the priesthood or function of a priest comes from the Old Testament teaching in the Pentateuch through Moses. Uh, when the children of Israel were led out of the uh, captivity of Egypt, uh, they were relatively ignorant of who God was. They knew that they were descended from Abraham and Isaac, and they knew they were descended from Jacob. They knew there were 12 tribes, but they really were pretty ignorant about God's plan for them. They had been in Egypt, grown up in Egypt. As we can tell by what happened later on, they adopted a lot of the paganism of Egypt. Really, some of them never got over it. But they were still God's chosen people. And God let them, God let them grow from about 75 people under Jacob going over there. And they grew into probably about two to two and a half million people. And God brought them out, as you know, with the ten greatest miracles probably ever seen on earth at any time. The ten plagues of Egypt. Each one of those plagues, and I preach a whole message on this, is, each one of them is directed at a God of Egypt. Those weren't just ten random plagues. Those were plagues directed at the gods of Egypt. The Bible says it. This is not a wild-eyed Baptist preacher. This is a God says it in the Bible. These were at the, these were, they were aimed at telling the not just the, the Israelites, but the Egyptians, who God was, that they may know the Lord. That's God's purpose, that the world would know him. Whom to know is life everlasting. And so that's why he's made the stars and the moon and the sun and what we get to look at and the birds and all the firmament declare his glory. The firmament declares the glory of God. So the priesthood and function of the priesthood, we learn, first of all, our first contact with it in the Bible is the Old Testament. God instituted a tribe, one tribe out of the 12 tribes of Israel to represent the people of God, and if I may say, to intercede for the people of God. The tribe of the Levites were chosen for this function. Of that tribe, there was a line of special people called high priests, and that was the line of Moses and Aaron. They were the, they were the folks that entered into the tabernacle itself, into the holy place and the once a year into the Holy of Holy Place to make an offering for the people. Aaron and Moses, this line, 
uh, what a privilege it was for them to be that part of that line that God wanted direct contact with them. As you know, Moses, there's been nobody, nobody since him, since Moses. Nobody. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 18 talks about Christ being like Moses, uh, better than Moses, obviously, no doubt, God manifests in the flesh. But Moses had some unique contact with God. I mean, 40 days, 40 nights up in a mountain uh, with God to where his face shone when he came down and put a veil over his face. I mean, God talked to him face to face. What a, what a man. Moses, the Bible says, was the meekest of all men. He was uh, a humble guy. Um, but Aaron and Moses were, were uh, chosen to be in direct contact with God and the Levites uh, did the other necessary functions of the temple area. They sacrificed the animals. They cleaned up. They maintained the tabernacle. They moved it. They were the, these three main divisions were the sons of Levi himself, the Gershonites, the Kohathites, and the Merarites were the three divisions of the Levites under the sons of Levi who were to maintain, like I said before, and take up caretakers actually of the temple, the, the tabernacle at that time, guards, repairmen, keepers, servers of the temple, tabernacle, etc., the Aaron, or Aaronites, of those who were in the line of Aaron, were the line of the high priesthood who entered directly into the presence of God, as I said before, in the holy place, in the most holy place. The average Israelite had to go to the priests to access God, to make sacrifices, to get instructions from God, and to pay tithe. There was no direct access for the Israelite uh, except through the priesthood, and especially through the high priesthood. Uh, these high priests medi mediated, if I may say, between God and man. And this, this then is the Old Testament manner of reaching God, and that was the way they did it. They brought sacrifices, et cetera. That were, they, were, they brought them by faith, by the way, because God said to do it, they did it by faith. Now, the New Testament changed this whole thing. Changed the whole thing, but it's good to know what I just mentioned to understand what is brought about into the New Testament under the priesthood. The book of Hebrews, by the way, is replete with information about this change from the Old Testament priesthood to the New Testament priesthood. It came through Jesus, which was called our high priest. Now, I'm going to read you a few verses because I'm establishing a doctrine here with you in the teaching part of this message, and eventually then I'll apply it at the end and put some preaching to it. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11 through 19 says, If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for, it, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there of another priest should, that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? Now, uh, I'm not going to go into explaining Melchizedek, but it was not an order of priesthood reckoned by the Pentateuch. There was no mention of this order of the Melchizedek priesthood. That was an order that they did not know about, though even Abraham had paid tithes to him. Now, you don't pay tithes. When you pay tithes to, when, when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, the lesser ties to the greater. And so he was recognizing Melchizedek as a priest of the Lord. But it was not reckoned in anything of the Pentateuch. It was, it was an unusual thing that was explained here in the seventh chapter of the book of Hebrews. For the priesthood being changed, 
that is from Aaron to Melchizedek, there was made necessity of a change also in the law, the law of Moses. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe which no man gave attendance at the altar. Remember Melchizedek's tribe, what was that? Well, it says in verse 14, For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. Judah was not part of that, that system. And, yet, and it is yet far more evident, for, after, for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life, of course, is speaking of Jesus Christ. For he testifieth that thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, that is testified of Christ. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect. How sad it is that people hang on to the law of Moses, they hang on to the Levitical priesthood for their reaching God. Right down the road here is a Kabad. It's a ultra-Orthodox synagogue just down the road, just, just a stone's throw from our church. And I see them on Saturday walking to church because they won't ride their vehicle there. They walk with the Sabbath day's journey. And they walk over and I think how sad it is that they're going back to the law of Moses, even though the law was good, just, and holy. There's nothing wrong with it. God gave it. But since the Christ came, he's so far superior, uh, such, a, such, a greater, such a greater and a better high priest than those Levitical line of high priests were. It says, For the law made nothing perfect, but bringing in the better hope did, by which we draw nigh unto God. The law, the Bible says in Galatians, was a schoolmaster that brought us to Christ. The law was necessary for the time. Uh, what had happened before that? What had happened? Well, people, without the law, without the system of law, without the nation of Israel trying to civilize, if I may say, the world, the world went crazy, didn't they? They went so bad that God says, I, I regret that I ever made man at all, and I'm going to destroy them all. And he did, except for eight people. And God made a promise, put a bow in the sky, and said, I'm never going to destroy the world by water again. And he didn't want to destroy that, and so he called in the 12th chapter of Genesis. Remember the first 11 chapters, and floods in the fifth chapter, sixth chapter. And so you see, he called in Genesis this man Abraham to represent him to the world. So that the world will never go off the edge again to the place where he had to destroy it all. Because the Christ was promised through the seed of the woman. And that had to be fulfilled if anybody was going to go to heaven. Because everybody goes to heaven one way. And that's through Jesus Christ. Anybody who was is saved in the Old Testament was saved faith in what God said and what he, the measure of faith that they had. But it came down that Christ's blood covers them. Christ's blood covers us. Those, those, we're on this side of the cross 2,000 years. But I'm not saying they're the church. I'm not telling you that uh, dispensationally. But they, nobody's saved except through the blood of Jesus Christ. It made clear in the book of Hebrews that nobody was saved by the sacrifice of those animals. It said, therefore, the law made nothing perfect. It just held off the judgment of God until the Christ could come. When the fullness of the time was come... God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them under the law. Amen? That's you and me. So Jesus now is our new high priest in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, 
partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus, or Christ Jesus, if I may say exactly right. So it's just straight up and down. Hebrews 4, 14, 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, that's that Aaron, Aaronic priesthood, that he took the place of, that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He was a sinless high priest, which is beautiful. Let us therefore, because of that fact that he was a sinless high priest and he died for our sins and gave his blood to atone for us, let us therefore come boldly, what? To the throne of grace. Come how? I would have been, I would have been less surprised if it had said come humbly, come timidly, uh, come sheepishly. But it didn't say that, did it? It says, because of what Christ has done for us as our high priest, it says, now you can come boldly before the throne of grace. That's just um, that's phenomenal. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. As our high priest, he now makes intercession for us, that is Jesus Christ, on the right hand of God's throne. We know that from Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And we also have the Holy Spirit in the New Testament making intercession for us in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, and as the Holy Spirit speaking of there, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, and isn't that the truth? We go to pray and we say, now I lay me down to sleep. Now I pray my soul. God needs better than that. Amen. Lord, help me to pray. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. And the Holy Spirit will intercede for you with groanings, it says there, which are unutterable, really. Now the Spirit of self making them stand with groanings which cannot be uttered unutterable groanings. So the New Testament Christians, as Christians in the New Testament, we are given this special privilege that the Old Testament folks did not have as they went through a human priesthood to get to God. But we don't have to go through a human priesthood to get to God, and it even gets better. All believers, all believers now in the New Testament and the church, have the indwelling Holy Spirit of God in them. Now, you may, not, you may be young in Christ and not even realize what I just said. But... You were drawn under Christ by the Holy Spirit, because no man comes to the Father except the Spirit draw him. And so the Holy Spirit drew you to the gospel when you heard it. He made you aware of your sin and your faults, so that you eventually humbled yourself to Christ and said, I'm a sinner, unable to save myself by any amount of good works. Christ, you're Lord. You, you, I believe you, you, you died for my sins. I believe you were buried. I, I believe the third day God raised you from the dead. Please save me. And one way or another, you came to him in faith that way. doesn't have to be said that way. And so you got saved. Birthed into the family of God. What is getting saved? It's getting baptized into the family of God and the body of Christ. It's, getting, it's receiving the Holy Spirit of God. What makes new birth new birth is the new life that enters into us which is the Holy Spirit. I'll, I'll prove it. I'll prove it. 
1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. That's big. 1 Corinthians 6.19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Man, this changes everything. This changes everything. And if I may say, things that are different are not the same. We have God dwelling in us, the hope of glory. We now are the very holy of holies. Because what was the holy of holies? There was a holy place, but then there was the holy of holies. The holy of holies were at the mercy seat, and it was the very Shekinah glory dwelt there. The very presence of God was there. And where the presence of God is, that's the holiest place you can have. And if, the, if, the, if I'm, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, this is a reasoning on this. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So that's where God dwells and said that straight up and down. That means this is now and I have now become God's dwelling place, if I may say, as, the, in, the te- as in the temple, the Holy of Holies. That's massive. That's phenomenal. That's, that's encouraging. We have now in the New Testament under Christ direct access to the throne of God. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace. Now it makes sense. The Holy Spirit in us, we've been purchased by his blood. We've been cleansed because that priest who went once a year into the Holy of Holies had to make sure he had nothing between him and and God and had to make a personal sacrifice for himself before he got to go in. They put bells on the bottom of their clothing in case he, wasn't, he was lying and God struck him dead. They'd know it. If he kept moving around, they'd know he was still alive. And so it was a serious deal going in the presence of God. And think about you and I. We get saved and God says you're clean. Not by what you've done, not by works of righteousness, which you have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. How? By the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now you have the Holy Spirit in you. Now you have God dwelling in you. Things are getting better and better tonight. Things are looking up, man. We are priests unto God, each born-again believer. No more cumbersome sacrifice of animals. I'm glad I wasn't born back then under the law of Moses. My, oh my, am I happy about that. No more inquiring of God through a man. I feel so bad about the Catholics who feel they got to go to some priest who's the man like they are, who has sins like they do, has a carnal nature like they do, and somehow he's going to have the ability to forgive their sins if they confess their sins. And my wife was raised born Catholic, went to broken school for eight years. She told me that she used to go to confession. You're supposed to go to confession on a regular basis. She wouldn't go very often. So when she went, she'd lie. He'd say, when's the last time you came to confession? She'd say, well, last week. Because if he told her, if she told him it wasn't for three months, she'd say, well, you got to do this many Hail Marys on the, on the linoleum. Boy, you know the word linoleum. Does anybody know that word? You, to, you can't do it on the carpet. You got to do them on the linoleum where it's difficult. And you had to, basically you were paying penance for your sins. That's sad. That's so sad. Because Christ has already paid for your sins. In full. When he said, it is finished by the grace of God. And so no more going to a man. No more being shut out of the holy of holies. 
No more division between us and God. No more alienation from God. No more separation from God. Uh, no more someone praying for us to God or representing us to God. Amen. I can pray for you, but brother, you, you have God in you. You have direct access to the, to the Holy of Holies. First Timothy 2, 5, and 6 said, For there's one God. And one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Christ is in us. As our brother said, I believe you said, somebody said it, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was Todd this morning. You, think, you won't think I was listening. I was paying attention. Where are you going? Where are you going with this preacher? Well, let me tell you where I'm going. Uh, we, we've got the uh, ice cream and we've got the bread. Now we're going to put some dressing on it. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. A peculiar people. You can say amen to that. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What an insult that it would be for us to go back into the darkness with these kind of privileges. 1 Peter 2.5 says, You also as living stones are built up in the spiritual house on holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Just like the priests of old, we now are the priests of God, and he expects us to be willing to, to offer sacrifices for Jesus Christ. What is that? That's sacrifices of time, talent, and treasure. That's getting the word out. that he, Jesus saved, Jesus saved. Oh, it's... It, I. Preacher, I got a lot to do at my house when we go door to door. I got a lot of other stuff going on. You need to sacrifice everything else and come door to door. Preacher, I don't have time to do Awana. You need to sacrifice whatever you got to sacrifice and get in Awana. Uh, preacher, I, I can't do nursing home visitation. You sacrifice, if God leads you, you to sacrifice whatever you got to do and do that. But preacher, I don't like riding a hot bus in the summertime and a cold bus in the wintertime and having a bunch of crazy screaming kids bringing them to church. But we are priests unto God with the Holy of Holies in us and now we're asked to give sacrifices fitting and befitting, if I may say, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So a little bit of suffering that you do, Brother Gillespie, is nothing compared to what Jesus has done for you and the privileges he's given you. All I can say, uh, he's paying us well for serving him. Amen? Don't ever apologize. Oh, he didn't get any money for doing that. Spit on that money. That's filthy lucre compared to the things God's given us to do his will. Woo! You want to cut my pay, go for it. Revelation 1, 5 and 6 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, and from the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God, 
and his father to whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I just gave you three verses, but there's more. Revelation 5.10 says, And hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Revelation chapter 20, verse 6 says, Blessed and holy is he who hath part in the first resurrection. Let me explain a mystery to you. Normally in our speech, we say first, and then we mean, we mean first, meaning when we say first, we, we think it's an order. One, two, three, four, five, right? You know, but that's not the way that word is. The first resurrection, anybody and everybody that's part of the first resurrection are born again, saved people. The other resurrection are going to hell and are unsaved. So the first resurrection has a few, there's a few of them. It's not one meaning only one, it just, it's a kind of resurrection. Am I going through here? You're looking blank at me. The first resurrection is a kind of resurrection. It's the redeems resurrection. It's the redemption resurrection. It's the redeems resurrection. Any other resurrection that's spoken of that happens in the Bible is not part of the first, not, not first in not, not, not first in number, but first in kind. And so he says here, I, I hope I didn't blow that whole thing. Blessed and holy is he that had part in the first resurrection. That's the saved folks. Of such the second death had no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ. And he shall reign with him a thousand years. Whether you like it or not. We get to be God's people in the millennial period. What are you going to do? What am I going to do in heaven? Play Play uh, my trombone. Am I going? What am I going to do in heaven? You're going to be. I just told you, man. You're going to be management. What are priests? What are kings? What are they? They're management. We're going to have a world in a thousand years that Jesus rules and reigns on this old world, and there's going to be real uh, mortal people on this world, and they're going to prosper and they're going to multiply. The Bible says that during the millennial period, the curses rolled back into the place where when a man dies at 100 years old, it'll be considered young. That's not the way it is now, amen. It's going to be considered better. It's going to be way better now, way more, way more uh, I say, uh, uh, friendly to living. There's going to be lots of people born in the millennial period of time, and God's going to use us born again from this side to be management and representing him. And whatever that might, whatever that curtail, whatever that means, he's going to have us do it. You got more ahead of you than you've had behind you. That's what I'm trying to get at. You think this whole life's there? Sometimes the old you get thinking this life's everything, man. What it's this is this is just an incubation period for real life, which is life on the other side. I'm not making this up. I'm not making it up. Every believer is a priest unto God through Jesus Christ and has the Holy Spirit indwelling in him, which is God, by the way. This creates some things for that believer. Number one, it creates opportunity, responsibility, and protection. The opportunity is to be intimate with God. Now I can know him whom to know is life everlasting. He can, I appreciate Brother Brubaker, the Holy Spirit led you. He walks with me and talks with me, tells me I'm his own. What is that? Talking about our intimate relationship there. The opportunity to fellowship in a new and better way with God. That's the opportunity we've been given by this priesthood. And to always 
be in his presence. You don't always feel his presence because God's not much into feely, touchy. And once in a while he is. But God's in the fact. And the fact of the Bible is he's in you. Whether you know it, feel it, and recognize it, if you're a born-again believer, he's there. The responsibility to represent God uh, as his priest, we have. If we have an opportunity, we have responsibility. We have a responsibility to win others to Christ. I've said this for years, illustration, if some scientist came up with a cure to cancer, I mean a real cure to cancer, he tested it for 10 years, not like our vaccine. He tested it for 10 years, made sure he didn't grow an extra arm, extra head, died of pneumonia later on, all that other stuff. And after 10 years, he said, this thing really works, man. This thing really works. But he never told anybody about it. What, what kind of criminal would he be? All these cancer patients, desperate need of some help, and he didn't want to share it. That's you and me if we don't share Christ. You have a solution for sin. You have it, the gospel. It's the gospel. It's not you. It's the gospel. Speaking of the gospel has power. Uh, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power. It is the power of God unto salvation. To them that believe the Jew first also to the Greek. So all I have to do is be, get somebody to listen to the gospel. If they'll listen to the gospel, the Holy Spirit and the gospel take over. God forbid I convert anybody. They don't last. That's like resuscitating a dead body when you convert them. But when the Holy Spirit converts them through the word of God that you give them, then their life, an eternal life, unquenchable life. So we have as priests, we, we have the responsibility to stay out of evil and separate ourselves from wicked things. The priests of old in the Old Testament, very important for them not to be doing something wicked that nobody knew about and go into the temple of God. It was fatal for you. And I think how much more we that have the Holy Spirit within us should be motivated, not by law, not because we have to, but because we get to stay away from evil, because it's the right thing to do. It's the least we can do is in an area of gratitude for what God's already done for us. Sanctification should be the most natural thing in the world, to stay away from the things that displease God. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5, 22, keep, keep yourself pure. How do you do that? Daily washings. If you'll confess our sin, he's faithful and just. Forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we're washed by the water of the word, Ephesians 5, 26. Then if we have opportunity, we have responsibility, and then lastly, we have protection. The protection of individual, individually, let me try to get this right. The protection of individuality and personal responsibility. Those are big words. Galatians 3.26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Whether yellow, black, or white, you're precious in his sight. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. When it comes to this, positionally, ye are all one in Christ Jesus. I like this. And this comes, Ron Comfort gave me this idea. There's no big shots. There are no big shots with God. 
We're all one in Christ. Are we covered by the same blood, filled by the same Holy Spirit, guided by the same word, going to the same heaven? You might as well start enjoying your brothers now. This is why, by the way, P.S., this is why that we believe in a congregationally <clears throat> led local church. This is a Baptist distinctive. Baptists, Baptists believe in congregationally led churches, not dictatorships. <clears throat> Each, but why do we believe that? Well, first of all, we believe in the priesthood of the believer. We believe that every believer has something to contribute to the local church because he has God in him, the hope of glory. Each have the Holy Spirit. Each have wisdom from God. Although, though, and we must recognize this, each of us have different stages of maturity. To not recognize that some born-again believers are in their early stages of their maturity uh, would be crazy. The Bible makes clear provision for the local church to have pastors that are God-called and deacons which have strict restrictions. You look at the restrictions of the deacon and the restrictions of the pastor and they're just about identical. I, that office of leadership, that office of management is sacred to God. And he said, in my local church, you do it my way, and you have people that qualify under these specific guidelines to be leadership. When we say we're all equal in Christ, we're all equal positionally in Christ, but practically we're not all equal. We don't all know the same amount of the Bible. We don't all have the same zeal for God. We're not all, even though we're saved, we're not all right with God. There's Christians that have soiled themselves needs to get right with God. There's immature Christians, baby Christians, middle-aged Christians, old Christians, like Brubaker. <laughs> but we share a great, positionally, we share a great commonality in Christ, folks. We're children of God. Same Father, same Savior, same Spirit, same baptism. And you know what that makes? The devil has to kill us one at a time. Amen? Because each of us carry the Holy Spirit within us. He can't wipe just one guy out and take a whole church out. He's got to kill everyone one at a time because God has so made the priesthood of the believer. I hope you got it. I hope you leave here and say, man, God's endued me with power. God's given me great privilege. He's given me great opportunity. Uh, he's given me great protection. Man, I need to live better for God. I need to get more serious about God. I need to shape up and, and, and uh, read the Word of God. I, by the way, thank you for signing up for reading through the Bible. So many of you signed up, I'm going to have to get another board. God bless you for that. I'll pray for you. And God will bless you as you read his word as a priest from God. You know, well, the priests, they had to know the Bible. They had, to know, they had to know what Bible they had. Had to know the word of God they had. How much more should we know the book? Amen. How much more? Up here, I appreciate these people getting up here and giving it a shot. Amen. Well, I appreciate them getting up here and making mistakes. In fact, I enjoy that even more than those who get it perfect. And so do you. You love Jimmy Knott. Jimmy Knott's like entertainment. <laughs> God bless you for being humble and helping us all feel better. And you also make these younger guys feel better, amen? Getting up there. I like it when you get up here and you say, this is a Revelation 12, 9, and then... <laughs> it's like the deer in the headlights, man. I love it. It's your mind just shut down. Right? And I said, amen? I've had it happen to me. Over and over again. 
And you just say, oh, Lord, help us. May God help us understood the priesthood of the believer. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful teaching of the word. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the doctrine of scripture. Thank you for the teaching of the Bible. May you build these folks up in the most holy faith. Help us to go out tomorrow, wherever we go, scattered all over this place, and be bold as a lion, but gentle as a dove, for the faith, once delivered to the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.